Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here joining you for another episode of Inside Arsenal. I hope everyone is doing well, wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world. Lots to talk about today. Arsenal, of course, kicking off their pre-season tour a little bit later on, 1.30am UK time, if you're going to keep yourselves up for this one against the MLS All-Stars. They're in action last night in the All-Star Challenge, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. A successful Arsenal team in that All-Star Challenge with an American hero, how very fitting. But before we get to all of that, it's a bit of a special edition of the show today. Extended version with a person I'm sure you all very, very much aware of. A good mate of mine, James Benj from CBS. How are you doing, James? Thanks for joining me. I'm very well, Charles. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, bright and early here, by my standards, at least as a, as a US employee. So uh, you got me up early, but it's worth it. It is bright and early. It is bright and early. How's the summer going? You all right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, what a like what a summer it's been, both from an Arsenal perspective and just like I've just been enjoying so much brilliant sport. And we've got the Ashes on in like an hour and twenty. So when you say extended, I'm I'm very hopeful we will be done quickly. Why do you think we started recording this at nine thirty a.m. Like one and a half hours before the first ball is bowled at Old Trafford? Stay away, rain. Yeah, what a weekend as well. Got the Open starting as well. I'm heading off to play golf a little bit later on as well. So yeah, good day plan. Lots to talk about as I discussed earlier today. The MLS tour, uh, sorry, the American tour, really kicking off now. First game a little bit later on against Wayne Rooney's MLS All Stars, but. We're not going to talk about that, first of all, because I've got to call you up on something here, Mr. Bench. <laughs> now, yesterday, I don't know if you were joking or not, but you seemed to hint that you liked this kit. I'm going to give you the floor now to explain yourself in terms of what is good about the abomination. If you're watching this on YouTube, is in front of you on your screen. More than the, like the kit, I love it. I think it's really fun. It's a bit daft. So, I mean, so I, I, don't, I don't, obviously, as, as you well know, much to the chagrin of you, I suspect, and a few others in the Arsenal press back, 
you know, you ca we we can't go to foot. Most people buy their football shirts and wear them to the football stadium. Uh, you know, we can't do that. We wouldn't do that. We're so professional. We totally turn up to the Emirates with a, you know, just wanting to see a good football match. So I, I when I'm buying a football shirt, I am buying it for summer festivals. I'm buying it for not, not nights out. I'm buying it, you know, to sit in the park. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what am I wearing in August? You know, chilling out. Couple of Aperol spritzes. And this is, you know, this, this is the perfect perfect look for that you know i can see this under an overshirt in the, in the in the autumn months i can see this year with a loose fitting summer shirt and look you know i like my foot i'm firmly of the view that anything other than your home kit should be as as garish as um unacceptable and obnoxious as possible uh, and this absolutely is garish and obnoxious uh, and i love it i love the video as well um mostly because, the video uh, is good martin kemp that man yeah, can still act. <laughs> it's like Eastenders all over again. And Martin Kemp yeah. looked dreadful in it as well. In that in that kit, he looked dreadful. It's not just like <laughs> just like you will look dreadful. Just like I will look dreadful. Just like everyone else is going to look dreadful in this. Have you seen them? Um, someone did like, and I have to say, it's so much better. Someone flipped the colours to like bruised banana yeah. shading. Yeah, that, that looks look, sensational. That looked right. I know that looked alright. That's this is not Arsenal. It's not yellow and blue. It's not the right yellow. It's just. Awful. I feel so sorry for those players. They deserve 200 grand a week for having to wear that. I have look, to say now. One game in it, one win. Look, these are some of the comments that were left on my YouTube on my YouTube channel yesterday. If you're watching this, you'll be able to see it. If you're listening, you can't. But we got some. It was a very cool kit launch. Unfortunate just for the worst kit ever. That kit is shocking. Worst kit in living memory. Uh, the away strip looks like a camouflage to enter Tiger territory. Gruesome away kit. And just... You know, as a professional journalist, uh, you know, just to balance things out. Look, there is someone down there, Emil, who says he loves the new away. That's my burner. So that was that you? Me and Emil are the only two standing. I'm sure it was. I'd sell. love the third one though that we probably can talk about. Yeah, the green, the green one. Like. I, I quite like the green one. I think that's pretty nice. And I wish that was the second one. I can't believe though they've gone from the black kit, which is literally the greatest. It was such a nice kit, and he gone from that to this. I'm and really anti black kits oh, I, I thought this was like beauty. a good black kit but it's just sort of like it, it you know we know how long these things take and i feel like the black kit is the equivalent of taking a, a year off or two years off in your kit design process because you're just like will this do that, i thought it was a great only, black kit but that is the only away kit that has ever outsold the home kit for arsenal hmm. yeah it was I that it was that successful i'll tell you what has made me feel slightly better about myself and my football club this morning is this oh i am reacting to that live um it's horrifying if you, if you again remember this is going out on podcast as well so i have to explain what i've just brought up on the screen for those who aren't watching it on youtube it's the manchester united i believe it's their away kit which is some very strange green and white concoction by adidas which does not <laughs> suit look sure at all. Judging, by it looks picture. like they bought some some jumpers on ASOS that they then had to sort of brand. It's weird. Yeah, it's made me feel a little bit better about my football. I knew you would like that Arsenal kit as well. Of all the people, I knew you would like so it. And yeah, so you you haven't let me down in that. I, but when I saw that comment, I thought, is he joking? No, he's probably not joking. This is a man who doesn't like Oasis. He doesn't like classic old school Chili Peppers. 
Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Anyway, enough about kits. If you like it, again, let me know in the comments below. If you don't, which I really, really hope is most of you, then you can let me know that as well in the comments below and let me know what you think of James Benj's taste. Okay, let's talk about more serious matters now, shall we? Um, I wanted to talk to you about this story that you put out a couple of days ago. Um, it was about Inter readying their offer for Foller and Balogun. And you talk about Nicolas Pepe as well being approached by Saudi clubs in the same um, in the same story. Now, I just w wanted to start on Balogun, who's obviously uh, the big centre of attention over, over in the States mm -hmm. at the moment. I imagine he will get some game time later. Whether he starts remains to be seen, but he'll certainly get some game time in the game against the All-Stars. And mm -hmm. again, given where he's playing, you know, every, all the focus is going to be on him. We've seen already the media scrum around him since Arsenal have got to America. Um, personally, I mean, I look at that, what, the figure you've got there in your story, 40 million euros. I cannot see that's going to be anywhere near enough to be able to get following Balogun and that Arsenal would consider something like that. But what, I mean, for you, when you look at it, what sort of price tag do you think, if Arsenal do reluctantly sell flow, which might happen, I think probably will happen this summer, what, what, what price do you think is a reasonable price for someone like Balogun? I mean, I, I suppose obviously it depends if anyone else enters the fray, really. And we should say, like, you know, even since since this piece, which was two days ago, um, sort of indications coming from from colleagues in Italy that Simone Inzaghi is really tempted by Alvaro Morata as well. So, you know, this may well be Inter's only offer, and if they don't if they don't go anywhere from that, and if that's indicated, you know, before it's even made formally. That Arsenal wouldn't take that, then they, they may well just look at other targets, including Morata. Mm -hmm. um, I think the aim here is to to really sort of squeeze some of that Premier League interest out there. I know that Crystal Palace and Brighton have looked at him because that's where the big money lies. We know that the indications are they would be looking for £50 million, or at the very least, if a team comes along and puts £50 million down on the table in front of Arsenal, they've got a good chance of it getting accepted. I think everyone has their price tags that they will put out there publicly and what they might accept privately is a little bit different. And we know, you know, that really there are ways, if you're talking to Arsenal and making a bid as a buying club, that you can make that cash payment a little bit lower if you're willing to include a sell-on fee mm. or I think particularly a buyback clause um, just to give Arsenal, well, either of them, just to give Arsenal a little bit of wiggle room I think there's still a sense that even internally no one quite knows just how good Balogun is is he a good striker in Europe's top five leagues or is this guy a a superstar I mean kind of going back to when we were covering him at under 23 level I think there were some that were sort of saying I don't know that he's he's got this in him that we've seen since so I think there is still sort of a little bit of, of an unknown around Balogun. And I think that's probably why they're ready to cash in. Mm -hmm. To answer your question, I think if you swap that Euro sign for a pound sign and put some compelling additional clauses around it, I think Arsenal would, would have to think about that long and hard. I don't know if you, yeah. you, you think the same. I do, I do, yeah. And I think you're right when you sort of talk about the club protecting themselves with some sort of, I think buyback clause would be really important in something like this. Cause we just, like you said, we just don't know how good Balogun is. We've not seen him in the Premier League yet. Obviously he had a very good season in France, but I don't think that's the 
be all and end all in terms of how good a, a striker is. You look at who else has scored a lot of goals in France over the last few years, and I don't think it's you know it's, it's a guarantee that he would come over here and score you know anywhere near that amount in the in the Premier League. So there is just that feeling of the unknown with Flo. It's like he looks like he could be good. He's got this aura about him. He carries himself really confidently. You know, he's, he seems pretty ruthless in front of goal, even though he didn't quite show that against Nuremberg when he had his couple of chances. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think, I think if you could get fifty million, that'd be that'd be a great piece of business. I think forty million would probably make Arsenal think if you did get a good clause in there. And I think we've all got to take into account his contract situation, which is like the big thing as well. You know, two years left doesn't look like he's going to be in any sort of rush to sign a new contract, and so his value is never going to be higher than it is this summer. And um, so it is an interest. Well, it'll, be, it'll be intriguing to see what he does in these next three games over in the States. I mean, if he goes over there, tears it up, scores six goals in three games and is literally the superstar. That puts Arsenal in potentially an even more difficult position that they're in right now when it comes to him. But it's really interesting the way that he is talking about this. Um, you know, and he is talking around this. And obviously when you get these player quotes, as you well know, in the summer, you're kind of a, a trying to read a lot between the lines because they are incredibly well trained to say very little, but they're saying very little with a thought in the back of their mind. And I thought it was really interesting that Balogun is all re- saying, look, you know, this is all just left to my agents, my family. They're going to sort this. Not, not I'm here, you know, I'm here to give a hundred percent for Arsenal and it's, you know, it's up to them. I think he is, I mean, he's acknowledging what everyone knows that that there is probably a transfer in the offing, but I thought that I did think that was sort of reflective of a player that it probably is is wise enough to know I do need to make the move, um, and to an extent that that kind of hinders Arsenal's ability to sell because we know that Balogun is extremely open to finding that place where he's a regular starter. Yeah, and I think that's so important to him. He, he doesn't want to go back to being a substitute. And I think the simple fact is he will be at Arsenal. I don't think he yeah. comes in and displaces Gabriel Jesus. He'll get minutes, but, you know, there's Eddie and Ketty ahead of him in a pecking order as well. And as much as Eddie gets quite a bit of grief, and he does get quite a bit of grief, certainly on, when I read the comments in my across my various panels, which I think is unfair because I think Eddie's a good player. And I think he did really well last season when he stepped in, um, you know, and he, and he, as much as he hasn't absolutely destroyed the Premier League, he's proven he can do it in the Premier League. And that's something we're yet to see with Balogun. We all think he can, but we don't know that for certain yet. And I think that is that is a big, big thing. And obviously we're not going to know that for certain until he gets a chance. And he hasn't had that at Arsenal. And I think Premier League clubs would be mad if they're not looking at him, to be honest. I look at clubs like West Ham, Everton even. Um, like you said, Brighton, although I've, I think Ferguson looks like a pretty yeah. talent who's coming through. Um, but there's some clubs in the Premier League who, if you're looking for a decent number nine, who could potentially, you know, go on and be an absolute star, they've got to be taking a look at Balogun. It'll be very interesting to see how much the interest ramps up as, as the summer goes on. But I wanted to talk, turn this conversation on a little bit now to um, uh, to Nicolas Pepe. <laughs> now, he's got a year left on his deal. As far as I'm aware, he is not even he has not even come back to England yet. He's not been at London Colney at all, which, I mean, maybe there's an injury, but even if there was an injury, he would have come back to London Colney for treatment by now. So it 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 feels very much. Sorry about like, this. I have to go to the get post. 
No worries. It's happened to me last time. He was on record, recording with Simon Collins the other day, and twice he had the postman knocking his door during this. Um, so I'll just carry on without James for now. He's just run off to, to get his door. Um, but yeah, the Nicolas Pepe thing, the fact that he hasn't even come back for training yet, for any part of training, even to be assessed or you know go through any sort of medical tests, it just makes you think something's been agreed, something's in the offing when it comes to him and what's going to happen this summer. Um, we don't know of any firm offers for Pepe yet, but you do mention in this story, and now there is probably no one, I would say, more on top of what's going on with the Saudi League at the moment than yourself, James. Um, it's just been a string of stories and exclusives from you <laughs> for a while now about the, the, the clubs that are coming in for players from Saudi. Um, I'm Ideally for Arsenal, this has got the ingredients just being the perfect storm this summer. Club, Saudi clubs coming in, spending big money, throwing big wages at Premier League players. Arsenal have a player here who they would love to get off their books and love to get some money for. I mean, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? And yeah, it seems like this story, the one time a club comes in with low personal terms for a player from Saudi, it seems to be this case for Nicolas Pepe. What, what is going on? What, what, what's your understanding as you know it? So, uh, yeah, as I say, it, it is... Uh, I, to be honest, I wrote this because I was getting sick and tired of people tweeting me saying, uh, when are Saudis going to make an offer for Pepe? Uh, and I kept asking the question because, you know, I want to know. And I think you've laid out there, or at least you did apologies for me rushing off to get the post. The postman is normally about three hours late around here. So I don't know why. But um, anyway, yeah, as you, as you sort of laid out there, it, it's a perfect moment for, for Pepe and a real opportunity. I, I, I wrote this to give people an insight maybe as to where things are, but I'm really skeptical that a transfer will happen at the moment. Like I'm not ruling it out, just skeptical. But at the moment, pretty much every Saudi pro league club is is talking to anyone that they know to be on the market to get a sense of what their salary expectations are, what, you know, they, wh whether they would be open to a move to Saudi Arabia. I know that um, a friend of us, Chris Wheatley has, has said uh, that Pepe would be open to that, that Saudi move. Uh, and it's easy to understand why, given that, as you say, he is entirely not in the frame at Arsenal. Um, I, you know, I think we would we would suspect that if a deal doesn't come together by the end of the summer, that you know the conversations will then talk, turn to you know a a termination, something like that, because he's just not in the plans, and you know it's it's not helpful, I think, to have him at Colney when Arteta doesn't intend to play him. So, a Saudi club, uh, mid-table one. Um, I am aware of their name, but you know sometimes you can't name these these clubs for various reasons um but is this one of the non sort of one of the non -PIF ones clubs. yeah okay. yeah it's not a, a pif club I've, I've seen links with al ali to the best of my knowledge and al halal to the best of my knowledge neither of them have spoken to pepe when you have pif's money behind you you know you can look a little bit higher than uh nicola pepe uh, they, they approached him um to get a sense of what his personal terms would be um, and also to indicate what they would be prepared to offer, um, that was a two-year contract that they'd be prepared to offer. Uh, but there was a very significant gap in in what Pepe initially indicated, or Pepe's representatives initially indicated, would be the sort of salary that they they would be after, and what the Saudi Pro League is is willing to to pay. I think we have to say, like, 
there is a huge amount of money in this, even for non-PIF clubs. A lot of them are backed by big companies um, or very wealthy individuals. But there is also, a, you know, the Saudi Pro League clubs are going into this willing to pay big for the right superstars, but very reluctant to feel like they are getting fleeced. You know, they will throw big money at a Kante, a Benzema, a Mares, superstars. <laughs> but they get the Premier League in, in Saudi Arabia. They've seen Nicola Pepe. And while I'm sure they think he would be an effective addition to their league, they are aware that, you know, this is not 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 a trans, you know, not a superstar talent like mm. a Pepe, uh, oh, sorry, like a, a Mares, a, a Kante, whoever. And so, you know, they won't they won't pay over the odds because there are plenty of other players of a, a Nicola Pepe standard on the market. So at the moment, I don't see this as being one that, that really comes together. I'm interested what happens with Partey. I don't think that's like a move he's he's desperate on. And I know as you as you reported, um, you know, he still wants to understand what the, the future is at Arsenal, what his role is at Arsenal. Um, but there is still interest there from Al, Al-, Al- Ali. Um, so that's one to keep an eye on because at some stage the PIF clubs can just offer you enough money that it becomes mad Yeah, from a financial perspective to say no. Yeah. I don't see much coming to pass with Pepe, but we'll see. We'll see if he's willing to uh, lower his wage expectations. Yeah. I find it really interesting with Pepe that the fact he's not come back yet, you know, he's not even, he's just not been invited back at all. And he's still wherever he is in the world, sort of keeping fit training I mean, it all points towards a contract termination at the moment, I think, unless something comes, like you said, out of the blue that really does tempt him. You know, I mean, sure, I'm pretty sure anything would tempt Arsenal, but in terms of tempting him, we we know he's still such a big, big earner at Arsenal. He's got big wages for someone to take on. And if it's not a mega rich club from Saudi at the moment, you just wonder, you know, where, where he's going to go. And we know that Edu's pretty ruthless when it comes to contract terminations. He's admitted it himself. He'd much rather just do that than have a player around that isn't wanted and isn't there. And it just seems mad, doesn't it? It's and for that ago. reason, I don't, I don't think the Saudi clubs are really thinking about paying anything more than a nominal fee because they, they know it's hard to criticize Edu because what he has done around terminating contracts has been effective, but, like, you know, for the Pepe's of this world, and there aren't many left on Arsenal's books, clubs that are interested do just think, um, and we saw this last season with your, your Kolasinacs and, and players like that, they just think, well, no, we're not going to offer a fee because we know what you'll do and we can then yeah. sign them for nothing. Well, I think he's like basically the last, him and probably Cedric are the last two remaining mm. um, players of that era and that they haven't managed to do it with yet. And whether that happens with both this summer, we'll have to wait and see, but... Yeah, how does it work in Saudi? Is there a limit to how many foreign players they can bring in? Is there, is they because I keep looking at it and thinking, obviously the the big well, I presume a big part of this is just to attract the attention ahead of the World Cup bid and all that. But you want to have a very strong Saudi team if you do host the World Cup, don't you? So you don't want a, a league that's just packed full of international superstars. Surely there must be some sort of limit to ensure that they. I don't know. Is it five or six players in teams of Saudi? Is it? Is there something like that going on? I believe they just extended those limits. It was eight, and I believe they are possibly in the process of extending the, the limits uh, a bit more so that they, they, they can be more towards 10 or 12. I don't know what they'll do on the pitch. Um, but honestly, I think at the moment they're, they're not that focused on the um, 
on building talent for that 2034 level. I mean, we forget like Saudi Arabia have, do already have some good footballers. I think for mm. me, the difference between this and China is that like Saudi Arabia have a good national team. They beat Argentina. They weren't a mate, you know, they're not superstars, but there's a long history of, of developing footballers in that country. So I, th I think to an extent they are, their approach is going to be a little bit more like the premier leagues where they say we're not particularly minded to limit numbers beyond, I mean, the Premier League have, you only really have to have eight English-ish players in your squad. And we will then just challenge the best Saudi players to to get get their game time and, and hope that playing alongside and against the Benzema's, Ruben Neves, is Ronaldo's of the world, brings out the best in them. But look, this is all being made up on the fly, mate. I've, mm. you know, it's very kind of you to say that about, about my reporting, but you hear so many things that you're just like, what? Like, and there's so much stuff I haven't been able to share, mostly because I think it's just absolutely mad. Um, and yet I always am like, oh, I've thought stuff is mad before and uh, it's all happened. So it's a crazy thing that plan that's being kind of put together on the fly because it's a bit of fun because um, Ronaldo was a, a, a success for them. Um, but I don't necessarily think there's much in the way of like a guiding vision here of, of what they're trying to do. They just see lots of cool players on the market and decide they want to buy them. Mm -hmm. You've already touched on one of those players potentially being Thomas Partey, who um, isn't out in the States, but is flying out very soon to join up with Arsenal. Now, my take on Thomas is that he is not a player that Arsenal actively sort of trying to shove out the door this summer, but... Yeah should something really tempting arrive that it would be something they would consider. And I don't think that's the case of just purely for Thomas Partey. I think that's the case for quite a few members in the squad who aren't a group in that sort of untouchables group who I'm sure we can all figure out who are the untouchables in the Arsenal squad. But everyone else, I think if the right, if a really tempting offer came in, the club would consider it. And that that's where Thomas falls at the moment. Personally, I don't want to see him go. I think, and I've said this on my on previous episodes, I think if you've got, a squad in the midfield that contains Thomas Partey and Declan Rice and Jorginho and those sort of players, you're just in such a strong position in terms of what you can do, how you can change things up for certain games. I think, you know, you the, obviously everyone looks at Declan Rice and think he's coming in to play that number six role. And I think he will. But I think if you've got Thomas and Declan Rice there, if you go to an Etihad, and I've mentioned this yesterday, you go to Man City or something like that, and you can play Thomas as a six and you can play Declan Rice as an eight of Odegaard, you've got a lot of strength in that midfield for those big away games that would make Arsenal a very, very tough proposition. So I absolutely, from a footballing point of view, I think Thomas should absolutely 100% stay. From a business point of view, I can understand it if a really good offer comes in for a 30-year-old with two years left on his deal who, let's face it, is injury-prone. It's It would be a tempting offer from a, from a business point of view. But from a from an Arsenal point of view, I think as a, you, you keep him in the squad. I don't know if you agree with me there. I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree. And I think... You know, the presence of Declan Rice probably allows you to get a better version of Partey when he plays. Like you, I love the idea of of going to the the Etihad or going to Old Trafford and 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 playing that that midfield two of Partey and Rice and just saying, Yeah, break us down and don't worry, when we get the ball off you, we can drive right through you. I actually I mean, you know, I think Partey could even do a good job as an eight. We think of him as a and he is a, an excellent ball winner but really you know his one of his great qualities is his eye for a pass um oh. i think Partey could come in and be an eight in some games like you say rice could be the eight um but uh, and also 
who do you you know who do you sign to replace Partey? Because names like a Romeo Lavia, I'm not saying this is a target or anything, but are not maybe not players that can come in and just do it do a job for you. You know, the one of the joys of having a Jorginho in your squad is you kind of know even if he's not played for two or three weeks, you can be pretty confident you'll get a seven out of ten from him. I think it's really hard investing in young players as as squad players and trusting that they will develop if they're not going to be playing 30 Premier League games a season. Well whereas... we've seen that with we've seen that with Sambi, haven't we? I mean yeah. Sambi's a good player, he's a tidy player, but he just hasn't had the minutes to really impress and then his confidence clearly took a hit because he wasn't playing and he's just gone into his shell a little bit and the personality's just disappeared from his game and that, that happens with young players if they're not playing. Exactly. Uh, whereas Partey, I think, you know, fewer minutes in Partey's legs gets you a much better version of him, doesn't it? Mm. And I would, like like you, you know, if, if someone wants to come along and, and give Arsenal all of their money back, then actually maybe you can do because you can do interesting things then can't you you could get in a player of Partey's age and get a much younger player maybe the player that you loan out or whatever and and build that way but you know let's say I've heard the same Arsenal not rushing if you want to offer them big money they'll talk but they're not really pushing Partey out the door yeah I think that's a wise uh, a wise move to be honest, it'll be interesting to see if he does come in in this US tour when he's going to play obviously first game is tonight early are you staying up for this one ben is you gonna be watching this at 1 30 in the morning absolutely not no way i've got to think i've got to say i don't think i am either which is totally unprofessional but 1 30 in the morning two kids two young kids nah it's too, it's too early for me too early for me i think you've got to you've got to have it's on only on apple as well arsenal aren't even streaming are they you've got to have like the apple season pass no you've got to have the apple apple t- i don't and i i don't know if you i mean like I think you can get a free trial, people watching, listening. You can get a free trial. Um, Does that come with just having Apple TV? Or do you have to have Apple TV and then I buy an Apple TV part? I think you have to buy an MLS thing on top. Um, but then I keep getting it. I was what, Have you watched Hijack? I've no, gone on a total tangent here. Very good. The only reason I haven't watched that is because we're flying to Portugal in a couple of weeks. And my missus okay, doesn't yeah. want to watch a plane thing before we fly to Portugal. <laughs> so we will watch it when we get back. So don't spoiler me, by the way, on it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I... You know, on the yeah, I'm, I think I think you need a you certainly in America you need to pay a bit extra for for your MLS access, and there is, you know, even as someone that works in American football media, there's absolutely no way I would pay to watch MLS football. Even Lionel Messi, uh, it's just not for me. Um, I just, you know, I find it hard enough to keep up with Europe's top five leagues. Uh, I'm not interested in a league that probably isn't quite as good as the Championship. <laughs> yeah don't say that you see you work for cbs you can't say but that. we don't have the rights so i can slag it off as much uh, as i want okay okay i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fair enough. Well, so you didn't get to see the challenge, the uh, the skills challenge yesterday. Austin Trusty, the hero for Arsenal. I mean, it's written in the uh, written in the stars, isn't it? Hitting the crossbar to win it for Arsenal at the end. So yeah, I, I have to admit, I have no idea about the skills challenge. I had a, I did a show yesterday with Ryan Tolmich from who's goals American correspondent. He did run me through what was going on, um, and yeah, Arsenal came out on top. I think a few, a few like I think Havertz was involved, wasn't he? Um, Balogun. And you got points for shooting for, I don't know. But but anyway, Arsenal won. I don't think we need to waste too much time talking about what happened in the skills challenge. I think the important thing was that Austin Trusty let all smiles. He got his big moment. He hit the crossbar. All the fireworks went off and Arsenal celebrated. But the big one, oh, that kit, I can't even <laughs> yes. honestly, I just bring up the pictures of it in that kit. In that... I have to say Declan looks dreadful in it. It looks Wait, awful. Everyone, everyone's going to look dreadful in it, Benj. It's just a dreadful, dreadful thing that should not be put on humanity. But anyway, the game tonight, I mean, it's going to be Declan Rice trained yesterday, which was good because I think the day before he was just on the exercise bikes on the side of the training pitch and it was like, oh, is he going to feature in this game? But it looks like we might get our first sort of gl- glimpses of Declan Rice in an Arsenal shirt. <laughs> if I call it, call it oh, now Arsenal I do want to stay up. <laughs> yeah, just to see that. Um, I presume if he comes on, it'll be in the second half. He'll get probably 20 or so minutes. Mikel will go pretty strong, I imagine, for the first half. We saw the, t- the lineup he went with in Nuremberg. I imagine it's going to be pretty similar. Hopefully, Martin Odegaard won't get injured in the warm-up this time, so we'll get to see him play. And this is going to be quite an interesting game because the All-Stars do take it seriously. It's going to be a competitive match. I've seen in the past, I remember Pep Guardiola really... <laughs> Um, really complaining that some of the tackles that were going in on his Bayern Munich team when they were in the in the All-Stars game. So Arsenal are going to have to be on this. It won't be like the Nuremberg friendly. This is going to be a proper competitive match. And Arsenal played in it before. I think it was back in sort of 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember Didier Drogba played and if he played, he scored. He did score. Um, <laughs> yes. Surprise, um, surprise. Was Senderos playing? I have to assume so. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, this is a... You know, I know we think of this as as probably the probably the least significant friendly that Arsenal are going to play on the US tour, but but for the guys that are involved in this from an MLS side, it is a big honour. It's a chance to sort of stake your name as as one of the league superstars, and I think they the, these players will all be very conscious of the fact that with Lionel Messi um, having literally just signed on was it Saturday or Sunday. Um, that there are a lot more eyeballs probably on this MLS All-Star game than than many previously. Certainly that's the sense I get from from talking to my my US colleagues. It is going to drive interest in MLS. I'm sure that the announcement came then partly to get people watching All-Star game and get people watching uh, League's Cup and all that stuff. So, yeah, these guys have got a point to prove more so than Arsenal. Like you, I think he, we will see a strong lineup first half. And then, you know, you bring in some of those summer signings. I'm sure we'll see a bit of timber as well. Cause am I right in saying he, he did train 
two days ago as well as yeah. as well as yesterday. He was involved I'm really excited to challenge. I'm really excited to see him. I know the talk is really about him as a right back. I do want to see if in sent in in preseason at all, Arteta does with him what Pep does with someone like John Stones. It's a quality like you could get out of Timber. And one of the great things about the Arsenal back line, and this is aided by having Declan Rice, a player who has played centre back, is there are so many different ways you can, you know, you can reposition players when you have possession and when you're doing build up. Um, so I'm really looking forward to whether I watch it. Tomorrow morning, probably. Uh, but just seeing what he does with Timber over the coming weeks, and uh, yes, of course, I, you know we've spoken. We were speaking about this before the end of the season. I don't. Re- I don't remember a buzz about an Arsenal signing like Declan Rice. Just actually that excitement to see him pull on a jersey and enter the pitch. That is, that's Özil esque. You know, I think you and I would agree. It's this is a bigger signing even than Özil. Going back to someone like Sol Campbell for for comparable buzz and excitement. Um, and yeah, I don't. I, I just I can't wait to see this guy in an Arsenal shirt. I, I yeah, I, I agree. I think it's the biggest side of it. So you know, I think the only one since then that kind of compare in terms of the excitement, obviously Özil, which was a re- just a really special day signing him. What it, what that meant and kind of signalled the the end of the the um the no money yeah, era basically, it's... wasn't it? And then when Sanchez came in, that was really exciting. After the World Cup he'd had, it was great. But I think in terms of on and off the pitch, what this signing represents for Arsenal, it's it's so big and it just reminds me so much of the Sol Campbell signing. Obviously, that was a signing that ushered in an incredible few years for Arsenal. Um, hopefully, this does similar. But I think the signings, like you talked about their Timber and even Havertz to some respect as well, it's... Um, I just think the these three additions, they make Arsenal so much more unpredictable now. It gives Mikel so many more options that he didn't have in terms of changing things up. Like you said, with Timber, he can be a right back. He can be a right side of the centre back. He can be in midfield. Declan Rice, you can play him as a six. You can play him as an eight. Havertz, you can play him pretty much anywhere that you decide. It just gives Mikel a chance to be really unpredictable. I don't think anyone's going to go into an Arsenal match now any opposition manager or opposition team and know for certain what they're going to be facing and what sort of system they're going to be facing and who's going to be playing where. Whereas last season, I think we all know, we could have sat there Mm. with a blindfold on and pointed to exactly where every single player was going to be. And ultimately, that kind of led a little bit to Arsenal's downfall, I think. They just became a little bit too predictable and uh, over that running. And this completely changes that. I mean, I think it's really, really exciting. And I can't, yeah, I can't wait to see how it, how it all progresses. And I spoke to Yap Stam about Urien Timber and he he knows him quite a bit. He came through, Yap was working in the youth setup at Ajax when Timber was coming through, although they'd never actually worked together, but he knows him as a person as well. And I came away from that conversation thinking it's a really, really smart piece of business and it's going to give Mikel so much. And his character is supposed to be very, very good as well. So, yeah, I think a lot of focus, understandably, has been on Declan because of the price and and who he is. But I think the Timber signing is is a really really exciting one for Arsenal, and it gives them uh, a lot of options. All right, we've been talking for a while now, so we're going to move on to some questions before we wrap things up. Certainly, all very aware of the fact it's ten fifteen. We're now forty five minutes away from the first <laughs> ball being bowled in the Ashes. Um, I'll keep an eye out for the toss as well. Don't worry. Yeah. So uh, let's quickly move on to one from Justin here, who uh, very nicely says, big fan of the channel, subscribed a few years ago. And thank you very much, Justin. He said, question for tomorrow with James. With news of Gary O'Driscoll leaving to join United, I'm wondering why he hasn't been put on gardening leave by the club. In any other industry, an employee leaving to join a rival would mean they'd be put on gardening leave to stop the rival gaining some sort 
of competitive advantage, especially with current preparations ahead of the new season. Surely we should be trying to protect ourselves a little bit more here. It's a really interesting one. It's this really is good. I know. I hadn't thought about it at all because all I know is that he's working in, at the moment an extended notice. I don't know how long that extended mm. notice is. Maybe it's for a season. I don't know, but I doubt it. Um but yeah, it is a really interesting one. You do see it a lot of times. People are put on gardening leaving within football. It's not just in other industries. Mm-hmm. We see it in football as well. But Arsenal obviously haven't here. Now, they've got a really good relationship with Gary Driscoll. He's very, very popular. I know for a fact that staff behind the scenes are really upset that he's going. I thought it was interesting in the sign-in video of... it Was De- was it Declan or was it Urian? It was one of them. You know when they do Arsenal do the behind-the-scenes tour and they yeah. always go and knock on the doctor's door and... And Gary's there sitting there and he does the usual, like, you know what to do, you know what to expect and all that. So it wasn't Gary O'Driscoll this time. It was it was, it was a woman. I wasn't sure who it was. And she called herself the first team doctor, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, so we'll wait and see how long he goes. But, I mean, it is interesting. Would you? Is that something that you think would be a... Would it would it be a concern or is it just, look, look we know Gary, we trust him. He's not going to give away any of our secrets. Yeah, I think you're right. I think is it Flo Newton or something like that? And... I- I mean, the the first my first response to this question is, is one of those ones where you go, ah, I need to go check that. I need to go and ask the question because it, it's really good, and I hadn't thought to to clarify. But but like you say, um, you know, I've, I've spoken to Gary before, met him before at some Arsenal events, and you speak to people who know. I don't think he is the sort of person that would use what he's learned, what he learns in his final few months at Arsenal, to help Manchester United. Um, because he's not that sort of guy. I think it probably, the one thing I was thinking is, what does Gary O'Driscoll know that, that Manchester United can apply and take advantage of when he joins them? Of course, he will have insight into the medical history of um, of Arsenal players, but he is a doctor. You know, there are slightly bigger factors than uh, than just anti-competitive anti-competition that means he cannot actually share any of the information he might have about any single arsenal player you know this is this is if you do that you can't be a doctor anymore um i wish i knew the sort of technical terms with this my sister is a doctor she'll kill me that i don't but you know he cannot share that information he will be struck off i would assume yeah it's just um, an eth- ethical thing isn't it it's the whole doctor yeah. Doctor patient confidentiality, confidentiality, yeah. Confidentiality. That would be, you know, that I think that's why you can kind of trust him to to serve out his notice to help in his flow, I believe, um, settle in to the new role. And and like you, like like we say, he's a good guy. He's someone you would want around the club, exploiting for every single day. Um, so yeah, I, I would assume it is that they they can use him and use his qualities because he cannot share any information whereas if this was carlos cuesta if this was someone on the on the business side yeah you you would be getting them out the door the minute they they handed in their notice yeah well i mean steve round has gone straight away hasn't he yeah. you, you sort of look at those two departures you know, big departures behind the scenes and gary and steven think that is a, a slight concern i've been asked this question before i don't i don't necessarily think it is obviously i know they're two big big personalities behind the scenes and big you know important people in that coaching setup but I don't I, I kind of look at the departure of Steve Round and I, I'm not even sure they would necessarily bring in a direct replacement for Steve mm. Round I, I think you look at him and Albert you know work very well together and then you've got really good young up-and-coming coaches who potentially need 
to be shown there's a pathway to take on extra responsibility to continue that. Otherwise, they end up sort of looking elsewhere to continue their their development. Have you? When you talked about Carlos Cuesta there, Miguel Molina, those sort of play, those sort of coaches as well. So I don't necessarily look at it and think, oh, he's going to have to go into the market and bring in another another coach in that setup. Specifically, because you know the the real indications we got when Steve Round joined was this is about having someone who knows the Premier League like the back of his hand on Arteta's staff at a time when Arteta had never managed a Premier League game before. And Steve Round had sat in the the dugout with people like David Moyes and done hundreds, thousands of them. Um, that's not to say that like there wasn't still value in Steve Round as Arteta got more experience, but I think you know. Steve knew his purpose. I know you all know better than me. You broke this story. Um, but I, it wouldn't shock me if, to an extent, it is kind of just about him wanting something fresh. Arsenal knowing that his most valuable moments are probably in the past. Then with Gary, like O'Driscoll, that it was kind of remarkable they kept hold of him as long as he did. His family yeah. are in the, the Northwest. Liverpool came calling, and um, we all remember that video of Arteta at the FA Cup final saying, you know, I told you, I told you to have faith. Um, and yeah, Gary O'Driscoll, one of the most admired doctors in the sports industry. That's why he goes on Lions tours. Mm. You know, this is a, a top. I, I think the, the big thing is a huge coup for Manchester United. Um, probably the best bit of business they've done this summer. Uh, <laughs> maybe except Andre Onana. Um, but I think that one is Arsenal did really well to keep him at the club as long as they did. Mm hmm. Right, let's move on to one here from Aaron, by the look of it. A-A-Ron. Um, how do you see the team holding up with the width of the pitch? Timber would invert on the right side, and all of our left-backs, Inchenko, Tommy, Kivior, tend to invert. Only White provides an overlapping option. Also on the wing, Saka seems more dangerous in half spaces. Same could be said about Trossard and ESR. Nelson and Martinelli seem to be the only ones comfortable on the wide channels. Is that enough to stretch every opponent and not get stuck in congested central areas when teams stay Deep. How could Mikel's tactics overcome this issue? Now, I don't think there's anyone better to have on the Art. channel to answer a question like this than James Benj, who made a career out of tactical pieces with <laughs> arrows pointing in every single direction. So I'm going to throw this over to you, James Benj. Is this something that Arsenal should be worried about? I would say Art to Roche is better than me, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, you couldn't get him, I'm sure. Um, it's, something, it's something, again, I hadn't thought fully about uh, but it's worthy of consideration look i don't think that game in game out timber and zinchenko will invert at the same time um i, I like that to me doesn't seem like how arteta would and obviously the answer partly to this is ben white ben white will overlap a lot i think there's a little bit of a misconception even among arsenal fans but especially beyond about what Ben White actually does. He is not a third centre-back, uh, with the odd exception, you know, when Arsenal need to hunker down. He is a true right-back mm. who bombs on. And actually, quite often, you know, Arsenal end up attacking with a front six as much as a front five. You know, White is making the late runs. And that really stretches the pitch. And so does Gabriel Martinelli. You know, he is the width on the left flank. We we may well see him interchange with, with Jesus as well. You know, that, that Jesus Martinelli pocket, which we probably didn't see as much as we might've expected when Jesus came back from injury. I think with Havertz returning and probably doing those Jacquerie runs right into the center of the pitch, you will see the width on the left side, just being 
being a combination of of Jesus and Martinelli, and that gives you plenty. It gives you options to get to the byline. Um, the other answer, I suppose, is 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 Tommy Asu. I'm intrigued as to how he will be used as a left back because I certainly think we will see a lot of him at left back. Mm. He is so two footed. I, I think he could, if not invert, then take up a sort of half space level with the penalty area crossing from there i mean you know crosses off both feet um that again stretches teams it might not be stretching them to the byline but it's stretching them forward opening sort of angles for for your havertz's and your your jesus's i think it will be there it is it's one of the reasons why you can still see an argument for keeping kieran tierney around if he'd like to stay um because it it doesn't hurt, but then Arteta never ever wants the flying winger down the flying fullback down the left flank. Even when Tierney was playing, he was sticking, you know, to a inverted Zinchenko style role. Mm. And and Martinelli was the one bringing all the wit. Having Nelson come back and do that, we saw Nelson, you know, the Bournemouth game kind of what I remember as much as the goal is him getting to the byline every two minutes. So I, I, I think you'll see a lot of Nelson on the left wing. Um, well, that's where the white goal came from, wasn't it? It was Nelson yeah. taking it on the byline, crossing it to the back post for white. I don't think Trossard will. I think he will. If he plays there, I'm sure he will a bit, but I, I actually see him as more of a false nine option. Mm-hmm. This is me speculating here. Um, ESR, God knows. You know, I don't really know what Arsenal are thinking with him. And frankly, I'm not sure that ESR knows what Arsenal are thinking with him. Um, I think it will be okay. I think it would be great to have an, an overlapping left back option, but it, Arteta doesn't want to use it. So, yeah, I think another matter? important thing is, you know, there's still a long, long time left to the transfer window at the moment. You know, obviously Arsenal got three players through the door that they wanted. I think the focus very much now is going to switch to getting players out. But should they get the players out that potentially they want to and bring in the type of funds that they want to, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Arsenal dip back into the market between now and the end of the window and look to potentially strengthen in a wide area um, specifically on the right hand side, because I, th- I still think you look at, you look at that sort of competition for Saka cover for Saka and it's just still not there. I know Reese has stayed, but I'm sure that Mikel prefers Reese on the left-hand side than he does on the right-hand side. Same goes for Trossard. I did, you know, Marquinhos will go out on loan. I'm pretty convinced that he's not, you know, he's not going to be considered as a backup for Saka. So I still think they could dip into the market and bring in a player who could potentially be a bit of a, you know, more of a, an, out and out right wing option to which you could rotate with. They've been linked to obviously with Kudos um, earlier in the summer. Sammy Mottbell at the Mail wrote a story yesterday again, sort of hinting at that, saying he's a player that they're looking at potentially after moving some players on. So we'll wait and see if that develops. But you know, do you look at that as an area that Arsenal might still dip into in the um, in the market? And what, if they if they were to move for Kudos, who isn't really a winger, is he? He doesn't really fit the bill as an out and out winger by any means, but. And if he was one of the players they sort of were looking at, would you think that would be a potentially good signing? I think Kudus would be a great signing. Like like you say, I think when we all heard his name, and I know you and I both, I think, reported on his name earlier in the summer, I, I was under the impression it was to be more of an eight. Um, and I know that's the role he's played at but I, at Ajax, but he does also play um, on the right wing. And he did last season to really good effect. I, it's this funny thing, obviously, you know, I don't watch the Eredivisie. I know a lot of people 
on uh, Twitter and on YouTube would want you to think they watch 40 games a day. Um, but I did see quite a bit of him in the group stages of the Champions League because that was that brilliant group who were, they were in with Napoli and uh, Liverpool. Yeah. Like the incision, you know, when you think back, when I think back to what I saw, a player that, that comes off the wing and attacks, you see something saccharish about it. It's always such going to be such a challenge. Bukayo Saka is, is going to be a bit like Arsenal's Harry Kane, we hope. Um, although hopefully when he signs a six-year contract, he'll actually want to be there for all six years. Um, it, he's he's always going to be someone that, any if you try and sign, the pitch is always going to be, well, yes, you know, you probably aren't getting in the team over Bukayo Saka. And yes, you know, Saka will always have more leeway um, and Saka will always be the guy for this era of Arsenal, at least that's the hope. So I think what you need to find then is someone that you can say, look, you'll play some games coming in for Saka and you will play some games uh, as a coming in for Erdegaard or Havertz and you'll play some, frankly, coming in for Gabriel Jesus. I think he's even played striker. So Kudus specifically like ticks the boxes of what I would want from a, a Saka alternative in that I feel he's high quality Um but you can give him games elsewhere. So yeah, and it, he I does. Like it. He fits the profile that Arsenal won. I think. I mean, they. We pretty much know now that Arsenal wouldn't sign a player who can just play in one position. I mean, it's just not what Mikel Arteta wants. He wants a player who he can move around and be versatile. It's just right up there. And you know, Kudos is exactly that. Like you said, he can play in a number of positions. He's a perfect age for an Arsenal signing. So it's going to be definitely interesting to sort of keep our eyes on that one to see if it does progress a little bit later on in the window. Arsenal should have pretty good relations with Ajax, given what they've uh, uh, just done with Timber. Right, this is the last one. Now, this is one I answered yesterday, but because as I started doing it, I realised that it was actually to both of us, because I've told people to send in some uh, questions for both of us. So, and I did, I realised too late. So I actually answered it yesterday, which was a pretty rubbish answer as well, because I basically fudged the whole issue. And then, and I, I just, I think it's really difficult to answer because the Invincibles, as good as Saka is, as good as Saliba is, I just, it's very hard to compare the eras and I just don't think you can touch the Invincibles. They just stay the same. That's why they were so successful. I'm sure they're good enough to play in that team, but I still mm. wouldn't pick any other player to go into that team because that team was just so special. But I don't know if you would change your opinion on that. What, what, what are your thoughts when you look at this question about whether any of these players could get into the Invincibles? And the, if you're not watching this on YouTube, it's you know Saliba for Colo, Rice for Gilberto, Saka for Freddie. Um, and I absolutely agree here. Lauren, as I said yesterday, one of the most underrated players uh, in the Premier League era, to be honest, he was he was that, mm. that good. Yeah, I mean, I, I do immediately start with that, like the same thought that you have. And look, you know, I was 13, 14 in the Invincible season. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to take quite some, you know, that's when football peaked for me. It's when my childhood peaked. It's when everything peaks um, when you're 13, 14. So um, it's a tough sell. And like the, the, my immediate response is, I don't want to break up the Invincibles, mm. you know, keep that that band together. And and I think we forget that, you know, I've seen better midfielders than Gilberto Silva in an Arsenal shirt, but I don't think I've seen anyone where playing next to them, Patrick Vieira was better than Gilberto Silva, you know, than, than he was when he played next to Gilberto Silva. He, he was so quietly effective and he yeah. freed Patrick to be everywhere all at once. Colo as well, like, yeah, Saliba's a better player. And by God, you know, Saliba, Saliba could be uh, entering, if he, if he wants to spend his whole career at Arsenal, he could be in the, the Pantheon alongside 
Sol Campbell, Tony Adams, great Arsenal centre-backs, David O'Leary. But I don't desperately want to, to split them up. And de- the, one that, the, the one that I always find so hard is taking out Freddie Youngberg. I know he was maybe a bit after the peak of his powers in that. Yeah, 2002 season. was prime was prime Freddie, but it's 2004. It's Freddie Youngberg. Like, he is, in some ways, you know, we we think, and Vieira is obviously the prime example of a an ultimate Arsene Wenger signing. But this is a guy we found from Sweden. And I don't know about you, I still remember the goal he scored against Manchester United. And um, I was a lot younger then. I'd never heard of the guy before he scored that goal against Manchester United. Um, I don't want to break that up. If I'm then like taking emotion out of it, I would probably agree that you bring Saliba in for Torre. Yeah, you bring Saka in, don't you, for for Youngberg. I'm not having uh, Rice over Gilberto, and I'm a, I'm a hundred percent not having um, Ben White over over Lauren. I think Lauren was. No way. Exceptional. I, yeah. I the thing is as well, I would love to see Lauren in a 2023 Arsenal. He'd be a really good inverting fullback, don't you think? Like yeah. you know, I, I'd almost love to get Arte- give Arteta, who obviously is not managing this team, but like give him these players or you know, introduce them to the world of of football in 2023 where opponents are maybe a bit more tactically versatile and you know what would you do with with these guys in the in the modern age i'd love to see it um so yeah i'm i'm never one to uh to break up the band but you have yeah. to say probably saliba i yeah i don't know that Torre was so good that year so Him good. And he was so fast his recovery was unbelievable he just used to get back and rescue situations with his pace he was you know such a good player Colo Torre I I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd be putting Saliba in that in there yet. As good as Saliba is, and he is brilliant. I thought Torre, especially in that season, was just remarkable next to Sol Campbell. So, but I, yeah, I, it's, it's such an impossible one to answer, really, just because it's two very different eras, and I just don't think. I think the Invincibles worked because of the partnerships they had in that team, and um, yeah, I, I think would throwing in one of those players would that have disrupted things? I don't know, but. Like you said, I'm sure they're all good enough to be in, to have been in around in and around that team. But yeah, I'm going to stay, stay stay on the fence like I was on yesterday and uh, and refrain from uh, giving an outright opinion on that one. Look, we've been well, we're coming up to an hour now, James. We are 25 minutes away from the first ball at Old Trafford, so uh, wrapped it up nice and well. Thank you very much for joining me as always, and for everyone watching this. Get have a few weeks. So a hiatus, but this is a kind of partnership on this channel that you're going to see more and more of as the season. Uh, I was wondering if we were going to hint at that. Yes, as the season progresses, um, myself and James got some plans to to link up and do some good uh, episodes, shows. The, the on next a regular... Vieira and uh, Gilberto, aren't we? Yeah. Oh god, who, who's which? Who's which? I, I'm I'm Patrick. There. I'm definitely. I'm yeah. I'll clean up your mess. I'm calling rank there. <laughs> All right. So yeah, be be prepared after uh, after both of us are back from holidays, which are both taken very very soon. Then uh, yeah, you're going to see more and more of this partnership going forward as we discuss all things Arsenal throughout the season. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Again, James, thanks for joining me, mate. Have a very good day, and everyone watching and listening to this around the world, have a great day as well. And if you are one of the few who are going to stay up late and watch the All-Stars game. Or if you're in America and you're watching it, enjoy it. Hopefully get a good first sight of Declan Rice in that frankly horrendous Arsenal shirt. Have a great day, everyone. Speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 